Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. It is uh, time once again for our monthly check-in with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, this one's bittersweet. Always look forward to talking to the mayor. This might be our, our last time to have this hour-long conversation with Jim Langfelder as mayor of Springfield. Of course, on Tuesday, Misty Busher scored a narrow victory over the incumbent and will become uh, mayor in the weeks ahead. Mayor Jim Langfelder, thank you for taking the time. Um, how are you feeling today? Uh, not too bad, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I try to, I'm an optimist <laughs> by habit. And so that's how you have to look at things and uh, move forward in that direction. Well, uh, as you look back on it, mm -hmm. anything you would have done differently in the campaign? What do you, what do you think uh, the, this result says? Well, uh, you know, you always wish you had a higher turnout, especially the areas that we thought would be. Uh, really, when you take a look at how the night unfolded right when they did the early vote, we were expecting a 20% margin. At that point, we only had 10%, so almost immediately we knew we were, it wasn't going to be good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then the uh, west side votes started coming in a little heavier, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, one of those things. But as far as the doing campaigning differently, you can always Monday morning quarterback. But really, we ran an A-plus campaign with the, you know, I told uh, the ones that really worked hard, you know, coordinating different activities. I said, really, when you look on paper, what should have happened, we could have just got demolished, you know, because we didn't have the resources the other side did. And uh, other individuals or entities working against us that cut into our base and uh that really uh you know we were you know when you look at it that way uh it it shows the effort of the campaign that everybody did and the door-to-door -door that proved itself do you know what what's next for you uh what what are you going to do after uh, you are no longer mayor of springfield well i'll step back a little bit because uh, you know you always have uh, sacrifices my family sacrificed uh, all these years and so i'll probably just uh uh you know take a step back for a month or so and then, uh, you know, kind of see what becomes available. I don't think I'll ride off into sunset uh, as far as that goes, but I do want to, you know, spend some quality family time and then, uh, you know, kind of determine what, uh, what I should go for next. Radio's a heck of a career, by the way, just, uh, just, just say. <laughs> when I was younger, I always thought that'd be pretty cool, but I'm not so sure now. <laughs> well, you know, you've, you've got a few weeks left. Uh -huh. uh, we don't know right, exactly right. when the new administration will be sworn in, but uh, you, you've got a little bit of time, and I'm guessing you probably maybe have still a, a few items on your to-do list. What uh, What's your unfinished business uh, that you want to, if not wrap up, at least make some progress on in the next few weeks? Well, right now we're doing transition, so uh, Mayor-elect Busher, we met with her today as well as all the women purchased, uh, you know, Al Rajabi from the Wyndham was in and uh, Ryan McCready. So we assembled everybody together. And we'll definitely talk more about that in okay, detail so in a I'll moment. Okay, skip that one. And then the Shields development, it's on the uh, first reading. Uh, I'd like to move that forward. I, um, I'm sure, uh, especially all the women, uh, DeCenso would like to see that uh, move through. Um, and that's the whole complex. That's the difference. It's just not the fields, it's the dome and inside part as well. So that's the change in that uh, particular project. But to really, uh, you know, outline the transition of projects and move forward, because uh, as you've seen unfold before the election, it was very challenging or difficult to get projects move forward. Uh, you know, the Wyndham was one of those. They said, oh, let's wait till after the election, then we'll vote on it. And then that's why uh, Mr. Rajabi is kind of upset that the vote didn't take place. Now they want to wait a little bit longer, which, you know, I totally understand, but uh, we'll continue to outline the projects. So 
we can assure a smooth transition and no disruption of, you know, the firehouses that we're going to build, um, you know, like I mentioned, Shields Complex, the Wyndham, and move forward in that direction. Anything you are uh, communicating to the incoming mayor to say this is something you should really continue to work on or try to push forward or uh, that, you know, you, you think would be really beneficial to the city that you hope she will carry on? Well, I ask each department uh, to give an outline of the projects they're in the middle of and uh, are working on and who the uh, contact person is. So that's the uh, kind of like the playbook, if you will, and move forward in that direction. But of course, uh, any administration can prioritize however they so choose. And and so, uh, you know, that's just what it is, is a uh, document they could, you know, choose to run with it or choose to take part of it or none of it. Uh, but at least we'll have it all outlined as what was in the works. And, uh, you know, like the firehouses are going to happen. You know, it has to happen. Um, you know, the carbon capture at uh, CWLP. The one that I'm uh, somewhat concerned about, hopefully they do see it to fruition, is the record decision on Hunter Lake. Because that way we can finally close the book. And the Army Corps of Engineers said they'd get that to us. There's one piece left that they do a uh, public forum on, and that's supposed to take place in May, June at the latest, and then they'll analyze everything and give a record decision first part of next year. We really owe it up to the residents of Springfield to follow through on that so we can close the book one way. They'll give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but we should see that through the end. Let's go ahead and talk about the Wyndham then. Mm -hmm. uh, and as you mentioned, this has been around for a while. Recently, a new proposal came forward to uh, do another one of these sort of targeted TIF districts like was approved for the lofts on Madison last night uh, and to uh, have then uh, about $19 million uh, come out of that TIF uh, ultimately to help renovate the Wyndham, get a new flag for it, have a mix of hotel rooms and apartments. And as you noted, that was initially on the agenda for last night. Owner Al Rajabi said he uh, shipped to schedule around to be here for it, and then it wasn't voted on. Now, you met today with Mr. Rajabi, with the mayor-elect, with Ryan McCready of Springfield Sangam and Growth Alliance, but I'm not going to lie, he sounded ready to throw in the towel last night, and, and I honestly, listening to him, he said, I'm not going to bring this before you anymore. I thought he was done. I, is he, in fact, not done? Could this thing still go forward? Well, he'll, uh, he has to check with the bank, of course. You have to have financing. That's what his main concern is, because credit is tightening up. Uh, it's across the country uh, with regards to that, especially hotels, uh, um, it's a tough market to be in, and there's, you know, essentially risk. Uh, but that's what they want to see unfold is the city's commitment for the project. And our piece is just on the hotel side. So it's just for the hotel improvements and then any common space uh, with hotel guests like the convention space and moving forward in that direction. And it's an up, up to amount. So it's up to $18.75 million. And then whatever he spends, if he only spends $14 million, that's what he'd get reimbursed for through the targeted TIF hotel, motel tax, uh, reimbursement, or sales tax, the combination of those. And so it has to be generated from the project. But I think the meeting was very good. Uh, it's, it's, uh getting everybody on the same page and, as importantly, making sure that Mr. Rajabi, uh, you know, meets the mayor-elect and they have a comfort level and having those discussions that have to happen because, really, the targeted TIF is what it is with regards to any project. You either qualify or you don't. The variables will be the uh, on a policy decision is how should the hotel tax reimbursement be structured as well as, as, well as the sales tax. So he is willing to, to hang on for the new administration if the bank is willing to give him some more time. But he doesn't know yet if the bank is willing to do that? That's uh, that's what he seemed to indicate to me. Did he give any indication as to what happens if the bank isn't willing? Because at one point he said, I'll just turn it all into Section 8 apartments. I'll just turn it all into government-subsidized housing. Alderman Williams last night actually said, yeah, you should go ahead and do that. If we, if we can't get our act together, you should just go ahead and, and do mm -hmm. that. Is that still a possibility? 
I don't think so. I think he wants to do what's right by the city, and I think uh, I think that meeting was extremely helpful. One, I, I thanked him for coming because I think it was helpful for him to go to the council and kind of, uh, you know, uh, break down the barriers that were there before you had a couple of council members say, yes, I'm supportive of it. We just need more time or want more time. And then uh, with the mayor-elect, I th- think it was a very positive meeting. So if it had to go that route or say the council turns it down, I, I believe he'd go more market rate apartments, but um, uh, the importance of the incentive is to keep the doors open for the hotel side. And they, they would do the improvements on the hotel side first, so there's no disruption of conventions. And that's uh, hopefully we move forward in that direction. But if for some reason the council doesn't approve it or can't come to a, an agreement, then he would operate it as an apartment, which is less expensive. And he does have, I think he's bankable on that. Uh, as noted, we'll not only have a new mayor, but a new city council with three new aldermen and seven returning incumbents, uh, Larry Rockford, Jennifer Notoriano, and Brad Carlson. Thoughts on on that new council? Uh, are, are they going to be easy for the new mayor to work with? Well, I believe so. I think, uh, well, anytime you come in new, I think uh, there's a grace period. Uh, but, you know, you look at the alignment and, uh, you know, uh, Larry Rockford's from the uh, north side, as is the uh, mayor-elect. And, uh, you know, Chuck Redpath, Alderman Redpath used to live there. And so there's some commonality there. And then you go across the way and Larry Rockford and Alderman-elect uh, uh, Carlson, you, they they do the sidelines for the high school games. <laughs> They're the ten yard guys or whatever, first down guys. And then so uh, and then you have uh, Jennifer Notariano that uh, you know has relationships with different council members. So I think you'll see the uh, commonality there. Um, and there's just a lot of great project coming through the. Uh, it's really a unique time in Springfield's history. We left it on great uh, sound footing financially and with regards to projects happening. And uh, I think it's be a great time to be part of uh, something special. We are talking live this afternoon with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. And uh, again, Mayor, we always uh, appreciate your time. And uh, I know that uh, you're going to be transitioning to a new administration, but there's still a lot going on down at City Hall right now. And uh, last night, of course, we were a Wednesday meeting of the City Council. Toward the end, you uh, introduced uh, to to get uh, in on first reading a uh, an updated agreement with the developers of the uh, Legacy Sports Complex. The Shields Complex is going to go out there. I've been wondering about this because it seemed like it had been a while since we'd heard anything and things seemed like maybe they had stalled a bit. So what is the update on this? What are the changes in this agreement and what does it mean as far as the timeline for seeing this project move forward? Actually, the uh, project itself, instead of doing the fields first, the um, development group, uh, they decided to do the whole project with regards to the uh, bubble, if you will, and then the uh, sports fields, outdoor sports fields. So uh, that the entire estimated cost of the project now is $67 million, and the city would, uh, you know, our participation was set originally at 50%, so that does go up, as well as the uh, maintenance of the facility that we agreed to uh, we agreed to on the uh, project as you can continue to do the maintenance you know hopefully 10 or 15 years down the line you have a fund established where you can replace the fields and keep it fresh and change things so how much more expensive is that at 67 million than the original estimate i think it was around uh nine million dollars plus but some of that of course is with the interest rate environment uh, material costs associated with the bubble and uh you know the indoor part of it so so that i'm clear because initially they were going to build the outdoor fields first and then build the, the dome the, the bubble right. now they're going to do it all simultaneously or dome first and then the fields how uh that's a good question i 
I'm not sure which order, but it's all together. Okay. One phase instead of they were going to do phase one. Yeah. Get the cash flow coming in with the outdoor uh, sports, and then go at some point in time come back to the council. So they'd like to move it forward as one phase project. So uh, first reading next week, or first reading uh, this week before the committee of the whole next week, uh, and then uh, on to uh, a final vote. And if it's approved, what do we know as far as the timeline for uh, breaking ground and ultimately uh, getting uh, some some activity? Uh, out of this complex. Yeah, originally, uh, even before we brought the uh, ordinance, they thought it'd probably be first part of May. Oh, for, for groundbreaking. Right. Okay. Right. And would it still be open within this calendar year, or do we know yet? Uh, I don't think it's known yet. I think it's going to take, um, uh, well, probably a year to open up, would be my guess. Uh, it'd be pretty quick order to have everything done by the fall to utilize the outdoor part of it. But uh, I think for sure it'll be spring and summer next year. All right, we are back, and we're talking with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. And as we've noted, several big issues that are going to probably just uh, percolate for a little while in this transition period between the Langfelder administration and the incoming Misty Busher administration. At least one issue that has come up before the council several times in recent weeks that doesn't seem like it can wait are ongoing problems at the Lincoln Towers apartment complex. These are the building, well, it's the building that is uh, down just across the street from the uh, state capitol on South 2nd Street. Mayor, you've had a resident there who's come in uh, several times, several recent meetings to talk about. They've had an ongoing renovation project there that's uh, torn up the parking, but they've also had elevator problems, a lot of other concerns there. And he's come to the council to say, can you help us out? This is a bad situation for the residents there. What's going on? Is there anything that, that the city can do to help them? Well, really, uh, the only thing on the city side is enforcement or if they needed uh, assistance on elevators. Um, but that's kind of a limited resource as far as that goes. But they have uh, you know done repairs on elevators. And we've seen this um, throughout downtown. You have older buildings and the elevator systems especially now are failing to a certain degree and then to get parts it's just a slow process but in that one they have i think three or four elevators and it's been a real hardship especially when you're talking a living facility that does have uh older individuals there and uh, you know now it's the parking issue where uh they used to park nearby uh, that's really created an issue with the underground parking yeah. and it's kind of a they have to fortify the structure in itself to um, allow access and so now they have to park off-site, I think it's at Horseman, some of them, or on the street. And Horseman's quite a that's the other side of downtown, oh yeah. yeah. Then they have a, then they have a, a, oh, a chauffeur that comes, uh, picks them up, or valet is what they call it, and valet and picks them up and brings them back. So it's a really difficult, inconvenient uh, time, but uh, we're, you know, fire department's been working with the landlord as well as Alderwoman Purchase. She's been involved with it for a long time and trying to get it corrected. As far as we know, they're within, though, current building and safety and fire codes and things at this Yeah, point? as far as I know, uh, okay. with regards to that, that's why uh, we have them engaged as much as possible. Speaking of buildings that have not been up to code, we had the ordinance approved a few weeks back about uh, using TIF funds to knock down those uh, buildings on East Washington. Horace Mann wanted to make some room for some parking for another building that they own that they are renovating. And one of those buildings is already coming down. But uh, last I'd heard, you had not yet signed that ordinance. Where do we stand on that, allowing the TIF funding to be used to, to reimburse Horace Mann for the demolition expenses? Well, it's still the case. Uh, you know, we're supposed to have access, public access to the parking. Uh, you know, of course, some would be private to the uh, that building uh, that they remodeled. You know, they put over a million dollars into the corner building. And the other one they had purchased, and it was in dilapidated shape. Uh, but the other one is... Uh, 
next to it, we have met with the Heritage Foundation. Uh, they put together a proposal of sorts. So, um, you know, what needs to be decided is where you want to allocate the TIF funds towards and if the other building can be saved and uh, how do you go about doing that. So that's one of those carryover projects that would uh, move forward because it will take city council approval to move forward in a, uh, you know, any type of package with the Heritage uh, Foundation. It's connected with downtown Springfield. So those discussions will uh, be carried over to the new administration. Alderman McMenamin has suggested that if the city proceeds with this and uses TIF funds to tear down a building that may have some historic value uh, and if there were other options available the city could you know face a face a lawsuit over this do you do you think that's a legitimate concern well, uh, you want it to go towards the, uh, you know, uh, I understand what you're saying. It can be used for site prep. Uh, as far as the technicalities of the uh, state statute, I'm not familiar with that, but, uh, you know, that's something that I'd leave up to the attorneys to make that discretion. So that's one of the reasons the TIF uh, has not been signed yet, uh, because what we're hoping for is totality on the other building and make a determination uh, how best to utilize our TIF dollars. Uh, should they be utilized on that project? Um, and what's that mean if we do with regards to access of the other one and then the curb cut you know that was one of the proposals not even having a curb cut so you uh, have that continuity and then we retain the parking that's on the streets uh you haven't been in this situation before of being mm -hmm. an incumbent mayor who is is going to be leaving office and handing uh, the reins of power over but what's the what's the law or i don't know if this is city ordinance or what governs it as far as an ordinance that is you know is not yet signed approved by the council not yet signed how much time do you have to sign it? If you don't sign it before you leave office, is it dead? What what happens? No, it's uh, 30 days. It automatically takes effect if it's okay. not signed. If, so right. that's what would transpire. But uh, we got to be getting close to that 30 days, aren't we? No, well, we'll have one more meeting, you know, at the uh, third meeting of April. So, okay. um, and usually we sign them the next day. I mean, it's uh, so that probably won't be an issue. I think really on the transition part, you'd like to have a committee meeting before the new council votes on things. It's uh, we tried that one time where they didn't. Uh, we tried it as the new council coming in, and it's uh, very difficult because they. Uh, new council members aren't, uh, rightfully so, right. comfortable in voting on something they haven't had full vetting on. Yeah. Uh, and there are a handful of ordinances that are sitting tabled or in committee right now. What happens to those when this city council ends and the new city council takes over, even though seven of the ten will be returning? We'll have three new aldermen. Do all of those ordinances die at that at that moment? or No, they continue on unless uh, it's parliamentary procedure, so they carry on. And um, I think we have it. In the rules, if they stay longer than a year, then they drop off. So okay. uh, it just depends on the uh, individuals sitting on city council if they'd like to pull one of those out and bring it to fruition. One of those that was uh, sitting there that's tabled now was just tabled last night, and that was the one on putting things on the city's website about uh, business interests or campaign contributions for city elected officials and for uh, candidates here, uh, which I, I found a little bit interesting. In fact, they attempted to table the other one about putting average citizens parking fines and garbage violations online uh, moved too late to get that one tabled and it actually passed so the average person's business is going to be up on the website but they tabled the one about elected officials so uh, do you know if there's going to be an attempt to bring that back or that is that one going to sit and wait till the new council and the new mayor or? well they should because you know if they live up to the words that they speak you know transparency and uh, you know the term pay to play politics that's why we brought the ordinance forward to throw everything out there so there is true transparency and people 
can actually see what type of contributions are being made and make it easy access. And then you can drill down on the other side of it uh, with regards to what's owed to the city. And then you can go for as much forward as to the debt forgiveness side and then really match things up. So hopefully they follow through on that because that was uh, an issue that's been discussed. And uh, I think it should be coming forward because I think uh, perception, they try to paint a picture that wasn't there. And this is a way to make sure everybody's on the same page as you move forward in true transparency for city government. Uh, let's talk about another thing that was on the ballot on uh, on Tuesday, and that was the advisory referendum about dissolving the portion of townships that fall within Springfield city limits, pretty overwhelmingly approved by Springfield city voters. So what's the message there? Well, the message is I should have connected my votes up to that one. <laughs> but actually, uh, the next step, and this will be one of the transition projects, there's a loophole in state statute that allows uh, townships to retain uh, their presence to our taxpayers or homeowners in certain areas, and that's the people around the lake and out in uh, off Bradfordton Road. So now they pay taxes to uh, townships that don't provide any services. So the next step would be to take that advisory referendum to uh, Senator Turner and uh, uh, Representative Shear, as well as uh, uh, Senator McClure and uh, you know Representative Coffee, and ask them to change the state statute, and then that would allow dissolution of those townships within the corporate limits. That was the main driver for this, but it did spiral into Capital Township. But at least do that piece, and if you so choose to, at some point, I think you have to dissolve Capital Township to follow through on the advisory referendum that the county put forward, and truly have it under the county guise, so you know what. Uh, they're paying for county services and not have this ancillary capital township on your tax bill. Interestingly enough, a couple of the uh, townships, Woodside and, and I think Springfield Township, mm -hmm. also had advisory referenda on saying, should we maintain the township within the city? And those voters all said, yeah, let's let's maintain it. Well, that's because they're the township. That's what happened. Yeah. I mean, that's the they're using that loophole to say, oh, no, we're showing that we should retain it. Those aren't the city voters. The naysayers they, they, on so that they want to keep those city right. residents paying taxes into the township. So, well, how do how do we sort this out? You got one group saying dissolve it, one group saying retain it. Uh, well, you'd want to sort it out by the uh, group that suffers and the group that suffers are those in the city of Springfield they're paying an extra tax to a taxing body that they do not uh provide services for. So that's who the council members represent. That's who the mayor elect represents. And the, uh, you know, the others at the legislative level represent all of them. But uh, really, it's the taxpaying body that uh, really suffer. And you need to match it up with who's providing the services. And that's how that should go to provide the property tax relief. I, uh, I, I tripped up. I did talk to the mayor elect today. We'll play that back in the next hour. But I neglected to ask her about this. Have you had any conversations with her about that particular issue and whether uh, she's going to listen to the will of the voters here and, and try to push ahead with that through the legislature? Well, we'll have that outlined in the projects. And uh, we plan to meet, I think, sometime next week and go over the uh, transitional items. And that will probably be one of those that we discuss and the importance of that. That way I can bring her up to speed on the intent of it and move forward in that direction. We but will again, have that's her, her decision. And actually, the legislators, you know, uh, yeah. like I said, Senator Turner used to serve on city council, actually served on county board. She knows the importance of really operating government as a business and giving property tax relief. All right, we are nearing the end of the hour, and because we don't know yet the timing of the swearing-in for the new administration, I, I can't say for sure whether or not this will be our final hour-long visit with Mayor Jim Langfelder, and we have done this like clockwork every month for the last eight years, Mayor, right. and uh, I really just want to say, uh, first of all, thank you for that. Thank you for keeping that commitment even when uh, you or I had a scheduled conflict or a vacation right. or COVID or whatever it might be. Uh, you always rescheduled. I don't think we missed a month in, in eight years of this. 
and uh, you've always been very forthcoming uh, and answered every question uh, with with grace and good humor. And so I just wanted to express my uh, appreciation for that and my uh, my thanks because it's it's not an easy uh, thing to go into public service and to endure the slings and arrows of smart mouth broadcasters <laughs> and voters and, and all of that. Uh, I want to give you the last word this afternoon. Anything you uh, you want to say here about your uh, your time in office? Well, I appreciate it. It's been an honor, you know, for serving the citizens of Springfield, but really to radio broadcasts like yourself, uh, because you really hold our feet to the fire, and uh, it hadn't always been easy, but it is important, especially in this day and age of social media and uh, everything else. Uh, really, the connectivity um, is with the local newspaper print, as well as the radio that really keeps us in tune, and uh, your broadcast is essential, so I encourage all elected officials, don't be afraid. You know, the media people are here to do a job. They're here to inform others. They're here to challenge us so we can better serve our public, and that's what I've always been driven by, and, uh, you know, I encourage everybody else to do the same.